If you have your Bibles, you want to open them to the book of Lamentations, the third chapter. The few Bibles are in front of you with the hymnals and the page numbers indicated in the bulletin. I'm going to be reading the first 24 verses of the third chapter of Lamentations. And if you have not been with us the last several weeks, uh, during this season of Lent, as we continue to think about uh, the power of love and coming to see what love can do, during Lent we're thinking together about uh, the sorrow that is connected with love, love's sorrow, because to love is to expose ourselves to potential hurt and to the vulnerability of pain in our world. And particularly this morning, we are thinking about the need and the uh, intentionality of grieving our many losses. And I'm going to be, re- be reading these verses from Lamentations, and all I can tell you is hang in there because it's pretty dark and discouraging and it gets to some really helpful verses, but one of the things that makes Lamentations so powerful and so helpful is the book's honesty, where the writer or writers, the narrators, did not sugarcoat what it means to live in this world and love in this world and experience loss and to experience that feeling sometimes that God is nowhere to be found. So Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, if you're able, would you stand please in honor of God's word as his word comes among us. I am one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone he turns his hand again and again, All day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me sit in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has put heavy chains on me. Though I call and cry for help, He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways. With hewn stones, he has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He led me off my way and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a mark for his arrow. He shot into my vitals the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all my people, the object of their taunt songs all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
Have you ever just stopped to think about the accumulation of all of the losses and miniature deaths that we experience uh, as people on this earth, creatures uh, made for this brief span of life? I mean, think about all the stacked up and stuffed away losses and sorrows that we have from the end of relationship or the end of things or the end of uh, life as we know it. I'm just going to mention to you some suggestions. Uh, It begins in childhood when we lose a toy or it breaks. A pet dies. The loss of innocence. The loss of a friendship when there's a fracture in the relationship. Divorce. Separation. Children leaving home. The loss of a job, the loss of status in the community or church, the death of a dream, the end of a career, a miscarriage, the death of a loved one, our own impending death. On and on we could go naming the accumulated losses that we experience in our lives yet we don't always take time to acknowledge them. We think we can just stuff them and go on. But I agree with uh, one author uh, who said, don't ever let anyone deprive you of your grief. You're entitled to it. You're entitled to it. His name is Doug Mann, and he wrote this book about grief. And he basically says, don't let anyone take your grief away from you. you. You need it. You know, if you were in a car accident and broke your leg... No one would say, why weren't you at work at 7 o'clock the next morning? Or if you have pneumonia, nobody's going to say to you three days after the diagnosis, why aren't you running the marathon? And yet somehow when we experience the wound and the the pain of a loss and the sorrow and the heartache of it, uh, we pretend like we're supposed to go on. We act tough. We think somehow that's more spiritual or more courageous But the book of Lamentation is an invitation for us to be real and to be honest about our pain and about our loss. I'll be transparent with you. Uh, When I was planning the sermon series and realized that this particular sermon was going to fall on Disciple Now weekend, I thought, "I'm, I'm not sure I want to do that because 1045 service, we're going to have a lot of youth. We're going to have some parents. We're going to have special guests. And I don't know that I want to talk about a downer like... Uh, grieving our many losses. And then I thought, no, that's the problem, isn't it? That we always want to talk about happy topics. We always want to pretend like loss is not significant. And we somehow think that we're protecting our children from reality by not preparing them for it. And speaking of children, I, for one... Do not subscribe to the notion that children should be kept away from funerals and memorial services. You know, sometimes I have families say to me, well, we're just not going to bring the kids because they just shouldn't have to deal with this funeral and this memorial service. Now, parenthetically, I'm not saying scan the newspaper and say, Here, here's a funeral, I think we'll take the kids to it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when there's a significant and a a corresponding loss in the family, children need to be exposed to the realities and the limitations of living and dying. 
in a natural sort of way. I recently saw uh, at the uh, Columbia True False Film Festival a wonderful documentary about Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' uh, neighborhood. Uh, He was an ordained Presbyterian minister, but his calling was uh, through educational TV to speak to children. And when his program was not very old and, and gaining some traction... Bobby Kennedy was assassinated uh, during his campaign in 1968, and Fred Rogers changed the programming schedule and created an episode that was aired helping children grieve the assassination of a public figure. If you remember that era, that wasn't the only assassination that shocked our country. And he dealt very honestly and very tenderly with the children, helping them process not only individual grief, but national grief, which is what the book of Lamentations is about. Not just private grief, but national sorrow and lament. And it was a very powerful episode as he helped children deal with it. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Lamentations at all, you know the only famous passage in Lamentations is the one that is our memory verse. Uh, Toward the close of our reading this morning from chapter 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We just sang about it. And that is the high point of the book of Lamentations. It doesn't get any better than that. Most of the rest of Lamentations is down in the valley. But here's my point. We all want to rush... To this passage. We all want to make a beeline to the, to the promise of hope and God's unchanging fresh love new every morning. But it doesn't work if you take a shortcut to this passage of Scripture. You have to slog through the valley of chapters 1, 2, and early part of chapter 3. You have to live into verses 1 through 20 before you can reap the bountiful blessing of verses 22 and 23 and 24. We we don't want to deal with it, do we? We want to take the shortcut. But if you remember in verses 1 through 3, the narrator says, uh, I feel like an animal that's been driven out of light into darkness. That's what grief feels like, mourning some kind of loss. In verses 7, 8, and 9... He said, I feel like God has built a brick cubicle and hemmed me in and then put chains around me so that I can't even feel like I'm living. Life has come to a standstill. And then in verse 17, he says, my soul is bereft of peace. Literally, my soul has been drained of shalom. My My soul has been drained of well-being. And the second part of that verse says that I have forgotten what happiness is. And if you've ever grieved the loss of someone or something significantly, you're in that place of marking time, feeling imprisoned, and you think you've forgotten what happiness is. It's painful. It's painful at a personal level. It's painful at a corporate level, at a national level. 
Last year at the Baptist World Alliance uh, in Bangkok, Thailand, uh, there was a wonderful presentation uh, made by Pastor Saw Waldo. He is a refugee ministering to refugees. He is a native of Myanmar, formerly known as Burma, and he is ministering to the people of Myanmar who have been taken out of their homeland and they are living as refugees in Thailand. Over 100,000 of them living in camps, living in squalor. They are Christians, they are Baptists, but they're struggling to know where God is in their calamity. Some of them have been there 30 years. And Pastor Saul Waldo has listened to the lament and the sorrow and the grieving of the loss so long. In just a moment, I'm going to play for you uh, a song that his choir sang at that meeting but I want, to, I want to share with you the words, first of all, so that you're picking up on them. By the small stream of Mela Camp, we sat down and cried. By this small stream of Mela Camp, we sat down and cried in the heat of many days through sleepless nights. In the foreign land, we are hungry, thirsty for freedom, and when freedom is so far away. How shall we sing a song of freedom When freedom is shackled and chained. How shall we sing a song of joy. When freedom is shackled and chained. Oh my God. Oh my God. Why have you abandoned us. Oh my God. Oh my God. Why have you forsaken us. Watch and listen.
the lament, love's sorrow, the grieving of the many losses. Oh my God, oh my God, why have you forsaken us? And notice it was the pastor who wrote the words and the, the melody. This Baptist pastor, a refugee among refugees, giving his people permission to openly grieve and to express, put words to their sorrow. Just as Lamentations invites us into that space of being able to express our grief and our sadness. And the only way that Pastor Waldo and these people survive, even in the midst of all of their doubts, is to somehow come to the bedrock of their faith, believing that God is faithful. And those powerful verses about God's steadfast love. It is chesed in Hebrew. God's stubborn love. God's unrelenting love. God's covenant faithfulness. uh, Equivalent to the New Testament word agape. God's unconditional goodness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, note the plural, not his mercy, but his multiple mercies never come to an end. The word mercies means compassionate tenderness. In this case, compassionate tendernesses, plural. God's superabounding, overflowing mercies. Such a powerful image. And then that, that great word that all of his mercies, his tender compassions, are new every morning. So that whatever you're going through in your grief and your sorrow... Just know that you have not yet experienced all of God. You have not yet in your sorrow experienced the total magnitude of God's tenderness and compassion. You have not exhausted God's promises and God's help. It's new every morning. You can never say that you completely comprehend it nor that you completely experience it. There's just always more. And on this side of the cross of Calvary, we can look back at the Lamentations scripture and we can know there is a Savior named Jesus who absorbed all of our pain and suffering. In his lifetime, he cried. He sat down with people and he cared. And he gave his life on the cross as he absorbed all of the ugliness of the world so that we might experience His grace and His forgiveness and His healing and His hope. I want us to bow our heads and before we offer our public invitation to discipleship, I want to encourage you to do an experiment with me in imagination. I want you with your head bowed to pick out a significant loss in your life that you're still grieving. Maybe one that you didn't realize until this morning. Or maybe it's a familiar one that's been around a long time. I want you to identify that. And I want you to then picture in your mind Jesus coming to where you're sitting right now and slipping his arm around you and crying with you. We're not thinking now about Jesus saying, come follow me, or you doing something 
dramatic and, and earth-shattering with your following of Jesus or some step of faith, some new beginning. We're talking now about Jesus just sitting with you and crying with you. And would you let yourself experience that comfort, that warmth of a Savior who is just holding you and crying with you, entering into your pain. Loving and merciful God, thank you for your care. Thank you for a Savior who cares. Amen.